You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. The first scripture reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. This is a very familiar passage. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. And our second scripture reading for today is Acts 4, 5 through 13. The next day... Their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and, and recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. It's a pleasure to have you all here. Um, I was going to keep it short and sweet in preparation of the uh, snowman making contest, but since John canceled it, <laughs> hope you packed a lunch and ate a big breakfast. <laughs> so, um, I hope that everyone had a good time celebrating Christmas with their family and friends and loved ones. Um, it was a blessing for me with both my girls who choose to live on opposite coast of each other, their home, and then we had a, we've got a new daughter-in-law this year, so that's been a blessing for us. So <clears throat> as we're, uh, we're wrapping up our celebration of Advent this morning, um, we began this last, well, the beginning of this month. Um, it's, it's crazy to me to think that this time next week we'll be in a new year, new month. This year's kind of had some really fast times and then slowed down, and it's, it's, it's just really crazy in my mind. So everything we've been discussing during this Advent season has been leading up to the birth of Christ and the gift that he is to the world. So as we sort of wrap this up this morning, um, we're going to be talking about Christ being the joy of the world and how there's only salvation through Christ alone. 
and what we do with that information and how, how we as believers are to handle that. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the text. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your word that guides us and gives us direction, Lord. And I just pray that we'd be obedient and faithful to what your word says. I pray that you would just use it in our lives to impact the world, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. So as it was read by John and Deb, um, I'm just going to briefly touch on Luke. Uh, Jason hit on it a little bit, but something that stuck out with me about it, um, well, I'll get into it in a second. So, so the angels appeared to the shepherds home, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. So I don't know about you, but if I'm chilling out in the pasture with a bunch of sheep and a bright light comes and the first thing I hear is don't be afraid, I'm probably going to be afraid. Um, I think that's just kind of a tendency, you know, that's just kind of a natural instinct. So the glory of the Lord is shown all around them. Um, so these guys are out there with the sheep all day, every day, just kind of doing their thing. And it's something to keep in mind that, that shepherds weren't exactly really high on the social hierarchy of like, man, I really want to do that job when I grow up and get older. So, um, they, they had a reputation of being unreliable and, and in fact, they weren't even allowed to give testimony in court because of un, unreliability. Yet these lowly men were the first to receive the announcement of the birth of Christ. They were the first to hear that Christ was for all the people. Not just for the kings, not just for the queens, the rulers, the Pharisees, or Israel, but for all the people and all the nations. And that news, that's a big deal. I mean, it, that the Lord would use these common guys with sheep to be the first to hear that, that Christ had been born. So after the light, um, the angels saying, don't be afraid. Well, the shepherds listened. Um, we didn't read 17 and 18, but when we get into verse 17 and 18, it says, when they left Jesus, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. So the shepherds saw Jesus, they told people about it, and people were amazed. So I think that's something that we can take heart of, like when we encounter Jesus, that we should, we should tell people about that. So we're fast-forwarding to Acts. So in Acts, um, you have Peter and John standing before the high court of the land. So this would be something like a modern-day Supreme Court. So you had all, the, all of the, the big guys there. It says that they had Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the members of the high priestly family. So they were in court because they'd been arrested, because they had... They'd, been preaching the gospel, talking about Jesus, a, man had, a lame man had been healed, and around 5,000 people had been saved. So they were rocking and rolling, Pentecost had occurred, um, people had been hearing about Jesus in their own language, they were filled with, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, the church was growing, the gospel was being preached, and it really annoyed the Sadducees. So... The Sadducees were the same guys that, in time past, they were responsible for Christ being on the cross. 
So they were in front of, you know, all these social elites kind of pleading their case. Uh, the lame man had been healed, and, and keep in mind here, this guy had been crippled his whole life. And his daily routine was kind of that he was carried to the temple so he could beg for money because he really didn't have any other options. And when they saw that he had been healed, the crowd had been amazed. Um, and I, I look at, at Peter and John and, and something like that, the flesh side of you or me or anybody else, it'd be pretty easy to want to take credit and be like, oh, look what I did. You know, you've got all these people following they're hearing the gospel, and then you see something as miraculous as this, it would want to be like, hey, look what I did. But that's not the case. They, they weren't like that at all. So um, they're standing in front of all these rulers. Um, and let's remember that Peter and John here, they were just common fishermen. They weren't anybody spectacular. I mean, it's... They rode around on boats, casting nets, catching fish. Sounds like a fun gig if you ask me. But, but these, these guys weren't, they shouldn't be in front of a, a, a big court system like this. So as we move on into verse 7, they're asked, they asked Peter and John, by what power and what name have you done this? And they didn't really hold anything back in their response. Lights are kind of bright. I got new glasses, but they're kind of, my brain's not used to them yet, so I don't have any glasses on this morning, so we'll have to go through this. So, so after they, they stood, they asked, what, what power? And, and they told them, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So when I read this, I think, man, these guys are really, bold in that statement it's not I was thinking that if I was standing in front of all these kind of people I'd probably be a little bit more submissive in my response but these guys weren't so um, they said Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified and keep in mind that Nazareth was just a place there wasn't anything spectacular about it um, in fact in, in John 1 one of the verses there, a couple of them, it asks, can anything good even come out of Nazareth? So for them to be proclaiming, you've got these two simple guys proclaiming Christ in front of this high court system, in front of all the heavy hitters, and they're proclaiming a name of a guy from a town that's pretty much nobody really counts as anything. To me, that, that's just amazing, and it just shows how, how cool God's plan is and how he works. So... Um, like I said, the elders, they probably didn't expect that response. Um, they really weren't in a position to be speaking that way to these guys, I don't think. Um, and also, we, we think of Peter. He was the same guy that denied Christ earlier on. He didn't even have enough backbone to stand up for Christ and say he knew him when a little girl asked him about it. So if you see the progression of these guys and their boldness, you know that they were filled by the Spirit, and that that's what was leading them. So Luke 21, 12 to 15 says that you'll be brought before the governors because of his name, and that you will have opportunity to bear witness for his name, and that he will give you the words that none of your adversaries can contradict. The power of Christ in them healed the lame man, and the leaders could not deny that he had been healed. 
because, I mean, the, there's that saying, the proof is in the pudding. It was right there. They saw it, so there was no denying of it. So up until this point, the name of Jesus had pretty much been kind of a regional kind of thing. He was from Nazareth. He'd been kind of doing his ministry stuff just kind of there locally. But when the gospel started spreading, it started taking off, and people were hearing in their different languages, and they were going back, and they were going to the countries and all that stuff, then that's when the name of Jesus started becoming more, um, more universally known. So in verse 12, we see that it says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. So that's everything below heaven. I don't know about y'all, but heaven, when we think of it, that's like the top of the top of the top. So it says everything. There's no other name under heaven given to people by which they must be saved. So some will say that there are other ways, but this text shows that that's not correct. And there's also the familiar verse that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. So something we see today, I think, it is far too common that there's a belief that there's more ways to get to heaven. You see that all over the, the social media. You see it in people's talk, how they talk about things, how they refer to things. Um, and I think that, that as believers, I mean, we, we encounter it quite often, and there are times where we say something about it and times where we don't. Um, and I've been, I've been convicted about that because in my mind, I think that it's pretty unloving for me as a believer to not respond to this incorrect belief. I think as believers that if not rocking the boat for the sake of not rocking the boat is not an excuse for speaking the truth to others. Um, now there's a way to go about it in love. You don't necessarily have to come both swords drawn, guns a-blazing in their face about it. That's not going to be received very well. But there is a way that we should go about in, in just a gentle correction and say, you know what, I, I, I've done it before with folks. You know, I, I can see where you're coming from. I understand that. But then just point them to Scripture. Because at the end of the day, if we just point everything to Scripture, then it's not on us that whether they're believing or not. It's on what God's word says. So to let people believe that there's more the way to heaven when we know the truth is not only unloving on our part, but it, it, it's also disrespectful to Christ. And if there's more than one way to heaven, then that greatly diminishes the work that was done on the cross. So to me being the impact that that has of us being disrespectful to Christ, to me that, that's more of a motivation to tell people than it is the, the unloving part. Um, I mean, I can live with somebody saying, oh, you're not unloving. Sorry, that's just me person, personally. But, but just being disrespectful to Christ is really something that, that really sticks in my heart because it's, you know, we don't want to disappoint the Father, right? Um, and that's one of the, we want people to have a right view of the Lord. So there's one door, yet he welcomes anyone in the world <clears throat> who would believe in him. John 3.16 is, I mean, that's one of the most well-known verses there is. 
So he loves us and he loves others, and it should be our desire that he is viewed rightly. Some will think that it's narrow-minded to proclaim the gospel as, exclu as exclusive. Yet again, we should speak the truth in love. We should want others to experience what we have in Christ, even if we risk something in the process. Sometimes people may get mad, they may get offended, they may get their feelings hurt, they may want, not want anything to do with you. But I would rather know personally that I shared the gospel, I shared it in love, and I shared the truth with them than have to give an account for Christ in front of him when he's like, hey man, why didn't you share that? So his name, Jesus, is, is how we fellowship with God. Acts 10.43 says that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The name of Jesus is the focus of faith and repentance. You must hear about him and know who he is and what he has done on the cross and the resurrection that followed in order to have fellowship with him. So as we move into verse 13, it says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So to say these guys were bold, I think is, I don't know. It, the Scripture says it's bold, but in my mind I'm thinking that that word just isn't enough because I was thinking of putting myself in their spot. And I don't, like I said earlier, it'd be pretty tough for me to stand in front of people with that much power that had crucified Christ knowing that those guys with the flip of their wrist or whatever that you could be meeting the same fate as Christ. Yet they told them, we're here in the name of Jesus, the Christ that you crucified. So they were really pointing the finger on that. So the, the word boldness in Greek is parousia, and it translates to openness, confidence, and of course boldness. It's used 10 times throughout the gospel, and the three instances that it's used in Acts refers to the boldness on the part of the apostles when proclaiming the gospel. Have you ever noticed that the more confident someone is with knowledge about something that they tend to be bolder about speaking about it? So Peter and John had been with Jesus and his spirit was in them and it was obvious when they spoke to the leaders. So we all have something that we're really confident in and that we can boldly proclaim and talk about. Um, for some, it's mathematical equations or finances or construction. For me, I can talk about fire trucks. For those of y'all that don't know, I'm a firefighter. I can talk about fire trucks and gallons and flowing water and all that. I could do that for days. Um, and I could sit in a room full of other firefighters and talk to them about it, and they'd be like, yep, that dude knows what he's talking about because they're you know, they're going to critique you pretty hard on it. So it's, I just want to encourage you, and, and it's my hope that we would be known for our boldness and our confidence in Christ, that when people know us, that we would, they would know us as speaking like, man, that, that lady there really knows the Bible. She really knows the Lord. That guy there, that's, that's, that's our desire um, here at Grace, and that's, that's my desire for you guys, and I hope that's your desire for, your, for yourself. So I just want to encourage you guys to just spend time in the Word and, and study that. So. so they were bold in the truth. They were bold in the truth of the resurrection because it was true. 
So although Christ had been put to death, he had been raised from the dead. The gospel was spreading and there wasn't anything the religious establishment could do about it. This is a great example of how we should be for the gospel. So these uneducated, untrained men shared the gospel with no thought or concern or thinking about any consequences about their actions in that. So we should be bold because also we love our neighbors enough to take the risk of rejection and persecution because as believers, we must seek the well-being of others and our desire should be for people to know God and to be forgiven because that is for their highest good and for his praise. So as we continue speaking about the boldness that was displayed by Peter and John and how we could be bold, it could be said of these guys, well, maybe it was a little easier for them. I mean, they had, they had walked with Jesus physically. They'd seen him. They'd been with Jesus. They had just preached some sermons. Around 5,000 people had been saved. So, I mean, you got a pretty good backing there. You got a little, a little hitch in your, in your step there. You know, I mean, look what's happening. The Lord is moving. You're with him. You've got a little confidence. You've got some momentum behind you. So it could be said, well, it was easier for these guys. But I want you to know that the same spirit that was in them is the same spirit that us that believe in him have. So, while it, it could be easier, it's not necessarily. Um, so years ago, I started attending Grace because my wife needed, my wife knew that I needed Jesus. And uh, through a series of events, I ended up on a mission trip in Matamoros, Mexico, um, where the Lord saved me listening to a Spanish preacher. I know, I barely carry on a sentence in English, but I do speak Spanish, y'all. It's kind of, the twang doesn't go away. It's very interesting. So let's fast forward a few years. So we're in southern Mexico in a, a town named San Cristobal. It's way southern Mexico near Guatemala. So we'd gone down there to find some, uh, to look into to meeting with a pastor some pastors in the area to find a, a place to host some pastors' conferences. So at the time, we'd been doing these conferences in northern Mexico, and we had some sites on the eastern side and the western side, but we didn't have anything in southern Mexico. So we'd gone down there. It was about a 12-hour ride on a bus south of Mexico City. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we'd gone down there, and while killing some time, there were some preachers in this group with us that decided, hey, we're going to do some street preaching. I'd seen it done before, but I thought, man, that's not really my thing. So long story short, this is where yours truly preached his first sermon. So there were so many things going through my mind on this day because the day before we had taken this van to a neighboring town. The driver of the van, he messed up. Long story short, we had guns pulled on us. We had to exit the van. My whole family's with me. I'm thinking, wow, we're going to die in southern Mexico. So we finished walking up to where we were going. It, it wasn't that far, maybe a quarter of a mile to this little town. So, you know, we, we, we did that, came back to San Cristobal. Well, <clears throat> the morning, that next morning, we'd had some guys going out and about just walking around. Well, they found a mosque. And they started talking to these guys, and then they got ran off from the mosque. So the environment wasn't just exactly the most hospitable. They, they, 
they weren't like Motel 6. They did not have the light on for us. <coughs> so anyway, I really felt like, like one of my biggest fears is standing in front of people. And then, yeah, I know, I shouldn't be here. And then proclaiming the gospel on top of that, you know, because it's, it's, I, I want to rightly handle the word of God. So I had all these things running through my head. I'm like, all right, I'm going to preach. So I'm over here and I got my Bible and I'm just kind of, all right, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. So I stand up on this platform in the middle of this square in front of this big, huge, beautiful Catholic church. Man, I just let her rip. I'm going to belt it out. And I'm thinking, all of Mexico is about to come to know the Lord. I'm doing it. This sermon lasted, y'all ready? Three minutes and 38 seconds. <laughs> with a translator, all right? So it can be done. You can share the gospel quickly with a translator if you get in a pinch. So that's not exactly what I had in mind about that whole thing. But what I, what I want you to take from that is that you, I was just being obedient because I love the Lord. And he helped me through one of those fearful times in my life of standing up and doing that. Um, I'm, like right now, you can probably tell I'm nervous and scared to death. I'm not good talking in front of people. But I'm, I'm serving the staff by being here. So all this story to say that um, as we wrap this thing up, and some of the scripture that was mentioned, so remember in Luke that the lowly shepherds were the first to hear about the birth of, of Jesus and, and to tell people. And all those that heard were amazed. Peter and John were standing in front of the leaders, boldly proclaiming Christ and him crucified. So the Lord uses simple people to do great things. So the Romans 10, 13 Wait, I got off. I'm sorry. Remember that he's come and he's here in spirit and that we have a mission. So if you recall back in, in November when we were preaching, Jason and Dave were preaching on some missions and some going. Um, I just want to encourage you with this. That Romans 10, 13 and 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him? They have not believed in and how can they believe without hearing about him and how can they hear without a preacher and how can they preach unless they're sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news so you see the shepherds they saw the light they went and saw Jesus they told people and people were amazed you see Peter and John they're proclaiming the gospel and people are saved. What a great model that is for us. That we read it in scripture. And then we do it. I know it's harder to do than it is to the application of it. But I, I just want to tell you guys that, that you guys are prayed for often. And I pray that you would be bold in going out and sharing the gospel. It's hard and it's difficult sometimes. The scripture I referenced earlier when they were standing in front of the, the, the kings and it's that you'll stand in front of the governors and they'll give you the words. If you pray to the Lord for those words, he's going to give them. 
So I've been in a lot of situations where I didn't know what was going to go on. And you just pray and you just seek the Lord in that. And he uses you and you say some stuff and after the conversation's done and you like get this adrenaline dump and you're like, wow, I just said that. That was, that was from the Lord. So if, if you know Christ and you have a relationship with him, then that same spirit is in you. So at our last night for the nations, we learned that there are thousands of unreached and unengaged people groups. There are three, roughly 3.28 billion people that are unreached. So as we think about just the simple message of the gospel and sharing it, we have a mission here. And we're to go out and we're supposed to share the gospel with all those that need it. I mean, 3.28 billion, that's a lot. I don't think they would all fit in here. I mean, that's, I've, I've been in some, some countries that are heavily, heavily populated, density population-wise, in India and, and other parts of Asia. And you think to yourself, man, that this is a lot of people, and it can be overwhelming. But if we pray and we're obedient and we're faithful, we can impact our little circle of influence that we have, and it can spread from there. And one of the greatest things that I've done, that something that has helped me with sharing the gospel, is going... I've, going to a mission trip in New Orleans because, well, you're never going to see those people again. So there's that whole, all right, you just tell them and then you go on and you go to the next. So be bold in that. I'm not saying you got to drive to New Orleans to go share with homeless folks, but it is a good ministry. People need to hear the gospel, but it sometimes takes that pressure off of you because it, it's really hard to share it with people that you know, right? Because they kind of know your flaws. They know you. they can throw things back at you but I want to encourage you just share the gospel just start sharing it and it's gonna it, it, you're gonna like it you're gonna see that the Lord does some cool things and that's what we're called to do so that's all I got so I'm gonna pray Heavenly Father I just thank you for this day I pray Lord through the foolishness of preaching that um, your word this morning, Lord, that it was handled rightly. I pray, Lord, that it would be impactful on the, our hearts and our minds, Lord. I'm so thankful for the people that are here. I just pray, Lord, that we'd be a people that would just seek you, Lord, and just serve you, that we would be faithful and obedient to your word. I'm thankful for the staff, Lord, that is, uh, serves us so well here at Grace, and I just pray that you would just be with them as they enjoy some time off. I'm thankful for everyone filling in this morning, Lord, um, and I'm thankful for the work that you're doing here at Grace. I just thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you do. In your name I pray, amen.